Jason. Lovely. Thanks, oh, Bob. I loved it from beginning to end. Thank oh, you. Bless you. Hello and welcome along to Dave Berry's Dad Pod. Since my daughter Evie was born over two years ago, this has been the place that I have gleaned invaluable dad advice from a host of interesting people. And this time out, I am delighted to be joined by a singer, an actor, a radio show host, and one of the nation's favorite comedians. He is also a father to six children. It's Jason Manford. Hey, Jason. Hey, brother. Mate, when you hear someone say father to six children out loud, does it, I can only imagine, does it send a little ripple of like, no? It, I mean, obviously I don't know any different now, but um, yeah, it does still sound like, I'd say what it is, is it's knowing that as soon as you say it, there's a conversation to be had. Like, no, do you know what I mean? If you've got two kids, it doesn't, there's, that's it, that's the end of the sentence. But when you say Enjoy you get the six, kid, mate. Yeah. yeah, people are like, I'm sorry, what? What did you say? Um, so yeah, it is. It is a lot of children, um, and at some point, I'll get it right. Uh, but um, but no, it's 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 a lot of fun, and uh, it's a lo- it's never a quiet house. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, of course. Um, <laughs> now later this year, you're you're going to be away from the kids for quite a while because you're hitting yeah. the road with your huge stand-up tour. Like me, yeah. uh, tickets are available on Jason's website. By the way, we know there's a great show in store, but obviously this has been rescheduled because the whole world yeah. had to be rescheduled. Are, are you just? Is it all just excitement for you getting back on the road, or is there no. any apprehension <laughs> about it? No. Oh, okay. No. How are you feeling? I'm feel. I was actually full enough. I was just talking to my dad. Uh, just before this and um, you know when you sort of like like me and my dad don't have deep existential chats on a regular basis but you know when you sort of suddenly say something really honest and your dad like sort of comes up with some good advice like, or, or at least lets you say it out loud I sort of had this existential crisis I suppose which is I've always been a comedian like even before I got paid to do it you know you, you do it for free for, for a long time so essentially what you end up when you become a professional comic is you're getting paid to do the hobby. You're getting paid to do the thing you love doing. And I've been doing it since I was 16. I started stand up as a hobby when I was 16. So you're talking, you know, 23, 24 years of doing this job week in, week out for my whole life. So then suddenly when it's taken away from you, you, I identify as a comedian, like I am what I do. And so when that thing has been taken away from you, I've really spent the last year wondering who I am. <laughs> I don't actually know what I am or who I am without this job, you know. And to, you know, I know I'm not frontline. I'm not. A, I'm not a key worker. But to find out you're you're unessential. I mean, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> what a fra- what a phrase. <laughs> what a phrase. What essential? Like what a horrendous phrase. They could have, there was no like group meeting where they were like, we need to come up with a term for everybody else who just enjoys what they do and you know isn't necessarily saving the planet and keeping us going. I just call them the unessential. <laughs> These losers. Yeah, I was in, I embarrassed myself enough to say to my wife that you know during the middle of all of this. But you see, I'm doing the breakfast show in the morning, and those mm. key workers they're listening to me, and hopefully yeah. I'm giving them a bit of a smile on their face. Yeah. So I, I'm a hero too, honey. Essen- I mean, essentially, <laughs> like, you are. You're you're a. Key, I, I called it. I've called our radio shows. We're key workers to the key workers. We're frontline to the frontline, baby. <laughs> the best of the best. No, no, I'm pushing it too far. But you know, what, thought- it's interesting you say that because. Because again, I had a conversation with my dad about that at the time. And, you know, my dad's a janitor, my mum's a nurse, you know, so they have worked all the way through uh, the pandemic. And I had that same thing where I was sort of laughing about this, you know, the fact that we were these uh, unessential, uh, the unclapped, I called, I called us. 
Um, and, uh, and, uh, and he said, you know, interestingly, he said, you know, when you get home from a day at work, or like you said, listening to the radio in the morning, like after a stressful day, especially my mom, you know, and nurses and people working frontline, when you get home after a long day, you do want to forget and you do want to relax and forget mm. about the tough, horrendous things that you've seen in that day. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a bit, I'm not, and we're both, neither of us are up ourselves, but there is a moment where you do need that switch off and we are the switch off, you know, and, I, and, I, and that's how I sort of found, grounded myself a little bit during the uh, during the pandemic well no I, I, absolutely um, I, and you know and well done once again to all those key workers on what what's been you know such a challenging challenging mm. time for them it really has been let's let's go back a step though jason because obviously you know you are a star of stage and, and you're a singer and you know a star of screen as well but you you said then which is really interesting you identified as a comedian and that mm. was taken away from you and, you and you mentioned that to your dad what did he say what did what did he have to say to you you know, he said, the thing with my dad is that he's he's never really f- found a place, like he's never found a job that he loves. Not like uh-huh. us, who've been lucky to find, you know, jobs that we adore and, and then uh-huh. get paid for them, which is the dream, isn't it? That's the absolute dream. Absolutely. And, you know, and he said, essentially, which, we, which you know, you just need to hear someone say it sometimes, which is, we are more than the sum of our parts. You know, we, we are a dad and we are a son and a husband and a friend and a comedian in my case, uh, you know, and, and like you said, radio and all the different things. That it, but we're, we're more than that as well. And it's trying to, it's just trying to work that out, I suppose, when you're trying to find your place in the world. Like, and if you are, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, there'll be other people out there, whatever your job is or whatever your thing is, you do feel defined by it. You know, whether you're a, you know, maybe you're a copper or, a, you know, frontline or maybe you're a businessman or a businesswoman or whatever. You do find, find yourself uh defined by those jobs so i guess it's trying to find those other things that uh you know and he just rattled off a few things that i was like oh yeah no i do like that yeah i guess there is that as well you know and he wow. sort of grounded me a little bit which is uh yeah which you need sometimes don't you wise words from mr manford senior there which yeah. is which is lovely to hear um so a kind of year and, and a bit in lockdown as a as a father to six mm. um is that a <laughs> hindrance when it comes to writing comedy or is it a massive help jason well uh, and, and and i'd like to touch a very if i may very yeah, briefly yeah, is because I watched you with the, the, the brilliant Stand Up to Cancer show you did with Sean Ryder and kind of trying to impart <laughs> those stories onto, you know, trying to persuade him to tell oh, some stories. I've just finished and... the counselling for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a great cause and it was it very was. entertaining television. But, but what I mean is, was it a time for you to, to glean those stories from your kids and think about how you could possibly work those in? Yeah. yeah right, I, okay. I think so. And I think also having kids reminds you of being a kid and, and, reminds you of those stories and you know my kids are always saying oh daddy tell us about a time when you know you got in trouble or you know you tell us about a time that you did something wrong they love those they're they're their favorite stories you know right i go right okay sit down so once i set fire to my friend's back garden you know what i mean like (laughs) (laughs) and then stole all the neighbor's milk to put it out like that's the stories they want to hear like and um and, and and it sort of sounds like something from like uh you know, from, from the Beano or something. Some of my stories, I'm telling the kids the stories. You sound absolutely comical. Capers. But, it, was, it was capers, yeah. Jason. Yeah. That's what I always say, you know, like, I always say that to my kids. It's like, you know, we grew up on, on quite a, you know, a nice uh, council estate, actually. You know, where, it, like, there was never going to be any proper crime, but you probably wouldn't leave a freshly baked apple pie on a window ledge. Like, it's that, <laughs> that sort of crime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like a Tom and Jerry crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, really? You're gonna tell me off of this? Um, 
but uh, so yeah, I do, I do gleam stuff on the kids, but not necessarily. It's, it's a very thin line when it comes to stand up because you've got to make sure it's a bit like showing people pictures of your kids. You've got to make sure that this is interesting to everybody, not just you because they're your kids. Cause as we know, our kids are always the best, uh, they're yeah. the best of the kids and, uh, and don't necessarily like any others. So you, you've got to, you've got to come up with stuff that is holding a mirror to people. You know, you've got to go, this is a thing that happens with my kids and then you've got, and it's got to be something that other parents can go, oh my goodness, yeah, that, that's happened with my kids as well. Or if they've not got kids, oh, I remember when I was a kid, that's the sort of thing that uh, we would get away with or we would do or we would get in trouble for. Because, you know, with stand-up, it's about hitting the biggest demographic as possible when it comes to your story. So they have to be specific to you, but they, they also have to have a bit of, you know, they have to be a bit generic so that people get on board with them and go, oh, yeah, I can, I can see what themes you, you're sort of playing with here. And I do tell the kids quite a lot because my, my daughters are getting to an age, they're high school now, they're 11. And on occasion, something will happen. Uh, and as soon as it happens, one of my daughters, mainly my uh, older of the two uh, twins, I know it's a bit weird, five minutes, but she claims it. <laughs> um, but she'll always go, oh, daddy, you're not, that's not going to be in your set now, is it? That, that's not going to be in your company. And I go... Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably will be myself. Like, oh, you're joking because like my friends will say. Right. I never specify which kid did what. Like I'm always no. really careful when I write my yeah. material that you know they don't necessarily know which one is what. Sometimes there's no there's no getting away from it. But I try and be quite you know uh, careful with with who, and I never name them and stuff like that. You know, um, but at the same time, you know, I just say to them, they say, oh, "Do you have to?" I said, "Well, look, if, if you really don't want me to, then obviously I wouldn't." But Generally, I only pick sort of soft stuff anyway. Um, but I said, do you, look, do you like your holidays? Do you like holidays? I go, yeah. I go, do you like all your toys and that? Do you like having a bedroom each in this house? They're like, yeah. Those I do. trainers are nice. I said, exactly. Those trainers, right. Live at the Apollo pay for them. So, <laughs> so I just go, basically, if you, like your th- if you like your things, keep doing stupid things and we'll all be fine. <laughs> I let daddy talk about them. Yeah, Fair contribute play. to this family, yeah. Um, what I was going to ask, and you know, based on that, and 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 the kids bringing home stuff from time to time that you want to use, would if COVID hadn't happened, and, and yeah. I'd bought a ticket and I'd gone to see Like Me with my friends, and I'd watched it when it was meant to happen, yeah. is it a is it a different is it a different set to the one that I'm going to be seeing buying a ticket this time round? That's a good question uh, because yes, very much so. There's quite a bit that I wrote that isn't really relevant anymore in an odd way not just necessarily for the audience but for me just okay. felt i feel like i've slightly changed opinions on things or viewpoints on things that i think oh, actually uh i actually think this way now and i can sort of write a bit more about that originally the show was quite an introspective show and now i've looked a bit further afield at everybody else and i the the, the general sort of loose theme of the show is that there's a modern or a presumed modern obsession with being liked. It, it, it releases endorphins in the brain when you get a click on Facebook now. People just log yeah. on to see how many likes their comments and pictures and things have got. And originally my theory was this didn't used to be a thing. This is not this is not a thing that people were obsessed about and now they are obsessed about being liked. It's sort of important to people. And I sort of went back to like, my, when I talked to my children, 
I find it very hard sometimes to, uh, to tell them off or to be angry with them because, you know, I work away a bit and, you know, I'm divorced as well from, from four of my children's mum. So there's an element of going, oh, I don't want, I don't want this, these few days that we've got together to be sort of, you know, dictated or, or hampered by a grounding or a telling off. So I'm a bit softer, I think, than I probably okay. would be. Uh, and certainly compared to my parents. Um, and so it's hard, I think, these days for, for parents to have that moment where your, ch- you, your children don't like you. And it ha- it's going to happen to us all at some point. You've got to tell them something that they don't want to hear. And so for a few minutes, they don't like you. Or for a few hours or for the rest of the night or whatever it is. And that bothers me. And I think it bothers a lot of modern parents because mm-hmm. we're so we're, we're geared towards being liked. It's become part of our um, uh, sort of experience, I suppose, in, in sort of 21st century. Whereas when I think back to my, my childhood, my dad literally would say, I don't care if you like me or not. <laughs> like he would literally say the words, I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah. You no, know, he'd say that. He'd say, I've got yeah. Tony. Tony's my friend. I don't need you to yeah. be my friend. I've got a friend. I've got friends. I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm here to make sure you get to 18 alive. That's yeah. what my job is, you know. And I sort yeah. of joked about, you know, when I was a kid, like I would like threaten to leave home three times a week. And two of those times, my dad would help me pack. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so, you know it's just things that we, we, don't, we don't necessarily, uh, you know, do now in this sort of modern uh, world of, uh, you know, mental health awareness and things like that. Our yeah, your work. parents aren't helping you pack your case when you say you go, you're going exactly, out. Yeah, no, yeah. You're so, well, so, yeah, where so I is think the... a lot of it changed. A lot of the material changed, I think, because I suddenly was spending so much more time with my kids than I, and, I, and it was giving me a lot more time to think, I suppose, of, of, of that. So in a way, it's helped me, in a, you know, because I think it will be a better show because of this time that I've had away from the stage. And if we look at your, your last tour, Muddle Class, I think it was such an, an interesting umbrella topic, particularly when it comes to some parents, and it's something we've touched on before on the Dad Pod, is that idea of, you know, you're a working class guy from a, yeah. a, a council estate, a nice one, albeit a nice one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, because of your success, you're, you're, you consider yourself to be middle class and, and your children are, well, are middle they class. they certainly are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they certainly are. And, and, and that, that's sometimes a difficult um, balance to, to strike between mm. imparting that work ethic that your parents clearly had yeah, to, get, yeah. to help get you to where you are, which obviously you did on your own with your talent, but, you know, to, yeah, to no, do totally. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for them to enjoy the trappings that, that, that are available to them. So yeah. how do you go about striking that middle ground? And, and also, how do you go about making that funny? I love that, that your son asked for a yoga mat for Christmas. Something yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> can't imagine that you ever did. I certainly know I no, never did. I didn't know what it was. So, I know. so w- where is the balance there for you, Jason? I get you, you, You're right. It's, and it's a constant ba- balance and a constant battle, I think, as well, internally a lot of the time. Because... Um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of things you th- I let them do and let them have and stuff because I think, well, I, I struggled and I had a tough childhood. I always sort of, I always say this line, which is not necessarily a gag. But I just think it's a funny observation, which is I had a, um, I would say I, I had an underprivileged childhood. I found out later because at the time yeah. I didn't know. I just, I had nothing to compare it against. And it just, we, I just spent childhood laughing and having a good time and playing and, you know, I didn't really notice it. Um, so, but my kids obviously have got all these opportunities and I think I'm, I'm a bit pushy, I think when I, when it comes to certain things. So obviously I've got gags about it and I've, 
and and there's some stuff that's happened, you know, like in real life that I then turned into stand up. You know, I have, uh, you know, we had a moment where I did that thing, which I'm sure all parents have done at some point, where you start, you go driving around the places that you grew up in with your kids in the back <laughs> to sort of show them like what, what you experience, you know. And I was like driving down my old uh, road, my old council estate road, and um, and I was about to tell them, oh, this is where daddy grew up. And there was a moment where my daughter locked the door in the back of the car. I just put the finger. I was like, what you do? She went, oh, it looks a bit rough around here, daddy. I was like, this is where I'm from, you cheeky get. The worst one was I, I tried to do that. My, my daughter's a little young, young for this, but I, I, I took my wife to kind of like my ends in South East London, yeah, you know, yeah. deepest South London and gentrification <laughs> had ruined it all. And it was all well, quite nice there. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, wanted this, I want this to look like the mean streets of Brooklyn <laughs> yeah, back in the eighties, yeah. but it really, yeah. really wasn't. Yeah, of course. yeah, it was rough round here. What near the cheese hamlet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Your fromagerie looks like a tough place to hang around, Dad. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So yeah, I do. I do. Um, I do sort of uh, have those moments of thinking, "Oh my God, these kids." And and the work ethic thing is is massive because, like I said, my yeah. parents were were hard workers. You know, I work hard, and so it's trying to make sure. Like my kids don't really. Have, I've not really got into the pocket money thing um i've never because i never had pocket money so i just i just don't know how that work i don't know how to work that out suddenly and i know what my kids are like that you know they'll end up one of them will end up with 400 quid like in three years time because they've not spent any of it and i'll be like hang on a minute this is not right this is not right so i've not got into that yet um they there is moments where i mean this is something i would never usually admit to but so we've got a, a cleaner you know comes in and, cl- and cleans the house and she's brilliant we've had her for years and this was probably the worst moment of my parenting career <laughs> where um, like, so Suzanne comes in all the time. She's brilliant. We, we, it's part of the family. We love her loads. And uh, my daughter had not tied in a bedroom and I come upstairs and I said, she's about seven at the time. She's 11 now. So about seven at the time. And I said, what's going on? Why is your bedroom such a mess? She was like, what do you mean? I said, make your bed. She said, I don't want to. I said, well, if you're not going to make it, who's going to make it? And she said, Suzanne. Oh no! The cleaner, and I went right. <laughs> okay, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. So that was four four years ago, and uh, she's never made their bed since. <laughs> like I, just, <laughs> I said, you don't do those. You don't, you do my room no. because I've worked. I've made enough beds. So <laughs> yeah. feel free to do my room. That's fine. I said, but yeah. don't touch those kids' bedrooms. They need to you know, have a moment where they realize you've got to do Well, you that. see, that's, that, that is a perfect example of where Jason it is. You do have to be the bad person every now and again, yeah, being, yeah. being disliked by your kids for a reason yeah. such as that is an invaluable life lesson that they need to take with them to be good adults and good people. Yeah. Because the adults I've met who would have that kind of attitude are people that I really have hated and yes, loathed being exactly. around when I have been. Yeah, exactly. You know? I've, that's the thing. I think it's having that moment you know, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? Show you the child at seven and I'll show you the, you know, the, the man or the woman yeah. or whatever. And I think there's so many moments like that that I I realise that they have been, you know, I do, I have spoiled them. I'm, we went to watch a musical. Now, obviously, I do musicals myself, so I know a lot of people in that business. And in, invariably, we finish, a sh- we finish watching a show, somebody in it I'll know, they'll text me, do you want to come and backstage and meet the cast or come and look lovely. at the stage or whatever? It's a really nice little treat, really lovely. And we went to watch... Um, like uh, six, I think, six, the musical uh, with my girls. And we got to the end of the show and my daughters were just sat there in the seats. And I was like, right, come on then. They were like, what? 
I was like, come on, we're going. She was like, we're not going to meet the castaway. I was like, no, that's not, a, that's not a normal thing that people get to do. I don't know any of these people. So I'm going to just... Like, they were so used to it, like being a... It sort of reminds me a bit, I mean, not on this level, because it's on the best le- He's on the ultimate level. But Peter Jones, the dragon. Yeah. I told us a story, story once that he... Um, they obviously fly private. They've got a private jet. You know, that's so that, yeah. you got that sort of money. You're, you're not flying easy jet, are you? And uh, they're flying to wherever, Portugal or wherever, and uh, they, you know, the Caribbean or whatever, and they get on a flight, and it's one of the first times that they've used a commercial flight. So they're still in first, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, slumming. they're not going to be they're in the back, slumming. are they? They're not slumming it. But <laughs> as they were walking through, Peter says that his daughter, out of nowhere, just went, Daddy, what? why are all these people on our plane? <laughs> I was like, right, well, we've not got to that level. <laughs> That's an amazing story. <laughs> all these people. Are you friends with my father? Hello, nice to meet you. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I always oh. have that in the back of my mind. I always think, you know. So, so I guess the sort of, you know, I called it muddle class because I was stuck between the two. Uh, and, and so one of the things that has, uh, comes out of that is I try and give my kids probably too many opportunities to do stuff to find their thing that they you know that they're going to be passionate about and I, and I think I've probably you know we've started karate we've started uh tennis we've started singing lessons we've got okay. uh, dances you know and so their, their diaries packed with stuff you know because I always I think you need to one of the rules I have about child about childhood about my kids is you need to get out of childhood at 16 you need a language that you weren't taught at school you need uh, a sport, a team sport that you're decent at, that you can play. And, uh, you know, and then something arty, something fun. And, uh, you know, and those, if you can get those few things, then you've not, I feel like you've not wasted your extracurricular I time. I love that. I love that. I've not you thought know, of that. Yeah. And an, in, and an instrument. That was the other thing I was going to say, an instrument. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because that's the thing that the only regret I have is when I look back at my childhood, I loved it. I had a great time, you know, certainly under the circumstances. But, I've got mates who play piano. I've got pals who play guitars. I've got yeah. people who, who are fluent in other languages. I've got people who are great at football or tennis and stuff. And these are the things that I've had to pick up later. And then mm. you're busy and it's a struggle and it, you know, you've not got the, that time anymore. So that's the only thing that I try to cement into the kids is that, you know, when we're sat there in Portuguese lessons uh, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon or I'm dragging them to the tennis club up the road there is that I'm doing this because I know one day you'll be fi- so thankful that I made you do this because I would have been thankful if my parents would have made me do that. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. That is a really good piece of advice. It really is. So, Jason, obviously, we've touched on the fact that, you know, you, you, you're in the theatre and we, we know that you're, mm. you're a great stand-up comedian and there'll be stuff that your kids, I, I believe, are, are privy to and other things that they're not quite old enough to be able to see. <laughs> yeah. But one thing we do know um, that they saw was the reveal on, on The Masked Singer because you said, <laughs> you said that the kids were seeing it as the nation was seeing yeah. it. Yeah. So what I would like to do is almost the kind of director's <laughs> commentary, the DVD extras, if you would. Yeah. What, what, what happened when you got home that evening or the following day when the kids were up? I mean, well, how did that go down? Because it was, was an amazing moment. Yeah, I remember. So I'd been, I'd been offered it in the August, I think, and we were on holiday. And um, I had no idea what this show was. I'd seen no clips of it. But one of the producers of it was a friend of mine and, and just said, oh, you know, I think it's going to be great. And also we want people that when the mask comes off, at least there's a, a good chance of people knowing who they are. 
So yeah, will okay. you do it? I said, okay, fine. So I was well up for doing it. It was a real honor to do the first series. And uh, they sent me the costumes, you know, uh, pictures, and they were amazing. But one of the things I was struggling with was the songs, you know, what songs to pick to do, you know, because obviously it's got to be something you can sing half decently, but also something that audiences love. And, and so, so surreptitiously over that holiday, I put together my playlist. You go to them with about 10 songs and then the producers pick, you know, right. top six or whatever, depending on what other people are singing and stuff. And so they actually picked things like Little Mix. My children picked like Little Mix, um, uh, Black Magic and uh, Meatloaf we sang. And there was like a Michael Bublé and Take That, we did, I did a Take That song. And um, so they didn't realize because the conversations we were having that they were actually picking my playlist for The Masked Singer, oh, um, right. which was great fun. And then it start. Then it all started. Filmed it. I was actually rehearsing at the time, so there was nobody noticed me missing from the house because I was out anyway all day rehearsing. And then we we fitted it around that. Um, I'd obviously told my wife that I was that I was doing it, but other than her, nobody else in the family—parents, wow. brothers, children—nobody knew. So we watch the show every week. It's exactly the sort of show we watch. We love all that. I can see your voice, and uh, you know, and X Factor and BGT and all that. We love all those. So we're watching it every week. And I think it was like third weekend before anyone even mentioned my name. Up to that point, it had been Michael Ball or, you know, whatever. And, um, and my kids were laughing like, oh, Danny, they think it's you. I was like, I know, right? So we watched it together on a sort of Sunday <laughs> oh, afternoon. Wow. So that was fun. But then the final uh, was one of those days where I, was, I wasn't there, but my daughter was at a sleepover with her pals. And all, by all accounts, all her friends were going, that's your daddy. <gasps> my daughter, 10 years old, was going, I think I would know if that was my <laughs> If he was a six-foot hedgehog. I, I think, think this I'm would not. have come up in conversation. <laughs> I'd have seen one of those spikes in the house. <laughs> so, um, and then, of course, when the, uh, when the reveal happened, she was livid. Oh, was she? Absolutely oh, bless. livid. Yeah, because she was like in front of her friends and she didn't know this thing that I was on. And so she rang half 10 at night, it was. Ooh. You know, she, she, she was on a sleepover. You know, she should have been asleep anyway. But I'm on the way home from somewhere and she rang me. Daddy, why didn't you tell me about the mass Singer? I feel so silly in front of all my friends. I said it was a secret. So I thought it would be fun. And so it was fun. The next day, she was laughing about it. But yeah, on the night, she was really annoyed. Oh, wow. <laughs> Half past 10, you do not want that phone call. You don't want that phone call to get a little telling <laughs> off of your 10 year old. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, moving on, this is um, the kind of yeah. the last section of the podcast is always kind of dedicated to, to the same three questions, which okay. I ask of all my guests. And I think you've already given for me, some, uh, a fantastic piece of dad advice. I love the idea of, you know, my daughter coming out of, of childhood and her teenage years, being able to play the flute, being a black belt in karate and can oh, yeah. speak a little bit of Cantonese. That's that the would dream. be the dream. Right? <laughs> Whatever, something along those lines. Yeah, I totally. love that. What would be your piece of dad advice for all of the parents who have okay. downloaded this and are listening now? Is there, is there something, you know, right at the, the front of your mind that you'd like to share? Yes. I, uh, this is, I think this is the most useful piece of advice, I see, which is, Everything in childhood is a phase, good or bad. Everything's a phase. You know, we've still got our three-year-old getting into bed with us of an evening. And my wife panics, you know, oh, what's going to happen? You know, he's not going to bed. I said, look, no 15-year-old is getting in bed with his parents. At some point, this will stop. You know what I mean? I was like, budge yeah. up, dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> at some point these things stop and i think that's what i've learned from having six <laughs> is even if you know you have those parents sometimes and they just have a baby and they say how's it all going they go do you know what absolute dream sleeping unbelievably goes to bed at seven up at seven the next one i can't believe my luck and i always think that's a phase yeah at some point that will go wrong and vice mm. versa if you're having sleepless nights and your daughter's not sleeping or whatever that's also a phase and mm. so everything in childhood is a phase that will possibly be over at some point good or bad you know um and obviously the trick is to try and just keep the good ones going for as long as, long as you can absolutely um, so i think it's just that i think we i think we worry a lot about a lot of a lot of things like that. You know, I think Ramesh does a brilliant routine. Ramesh Ranganathan does a great routine that always makes me chuckle when I see it on the telly, which is about um, his, again, similarly, his wife potty training, you know, panicking because the, 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 the little boy isn't uh, toilet trained. And he's like, look, there's no 25 year old at a party just weeing himself <laughs> and just going, look, nobody trained me. Like, it's a really funny routine that he does. But I think it's so true. You know, it's so true. Yeah. You, you will get there. You know, we, we've, you know, bedwetters or your nightmares or um, weird phobias or just things that they won't eat or, they, you know, things that they won't do. Everything is a, a phase. And I think that, that the only thing you can do, you can tell your kid all day long what to do and what not to do. The only way of getting things through, whether it's food or activities or behavior, is, is learned behavior from you, really, and, and, and sort of getting it from you. And if, I, I was surprised. I, I just started really exercising, I suppose, and eating well this year, can you believe, after nearly 40 years. And it's amazing how quickly your kids notice you doing a bit of yoga or going out for a run in the morning or, or eating you know, a different sort of food. What's that, Daddy? Can I have a taste? Or can I come out for a yeah. run with you around the block? Or it's amazing how you could tell them all day, right, get up and have a run. Eat that. They won't listen to you. But suddenly, because you're doing it as part of your day, it just becomes part of their day. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's and obviously at some point that won't happen. When they're, I mean, if, if your kids are 14, 15, this <laughs> advice is null and void. It's too late for you. <laughs> Um, it's, you're looking great, by the way, Jason. I know that you've been on a on, on, on a health kick, and I was listening to your um, absolute radio show on Sunday, and I love the fact that your dad is is trolling you about his weight gain since <laughs> I think it was the early 1970s, wasn't it? What did he, what did he I said, you? "Oh, I've lost two stones since January." He said, "I'm piling it on." I put uh, 1971. I was 10 stone. This morning, I'm 10 stone three. Piling it, piling it on. <laughs> <laughs> um okay up next uh jason again something that i i, I like to ask of all my guests um yeah. i suppose a bit of a time capsule really but oh, the yeah. question is your children hear this back in 15 years from now mm. what would you like to say to them oh crikey 15 years from now so that's 20 my eldest will be 26 so oh god <laughs> what's the idea of that <laughs> Please don't be pregnant. Please don't be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we, we can edit this little breakdown oh. out, Jason. And just... <laughs> please, please have seen some of the world first. Please. <laughs> um, Mikey, what would I tell my kids in 15, if you want to hear this in 15 years' time? Um, I guess I would say that I, and I've learned this lesson, thankfully. And, and weirdly, the pandemic has... Uh, taught me a few lessons Richard it was to really work out the priorities of things and I think dads can and I, look I know this is not a 21st century thing to think and, and or say uh, but it, it is still the case in a lot of men's brains men a lot of men still see themselves and put the pressure on themselves 
to be the breadwinner or to be that person who goes off to work. And I know that's less, you know, prevalent now as it, as it used to be. And certainly is in, in you know, in, in a lot of cases, um, but it's still in our, whether it's just in our minds, our memories, that's the way our dads were. It's in there somewhere. And we sometimes put a bit of pressure on ourselves. And we often think our contribution to the family is going out to work and earning that money to put the roof over the head or whatever it is, you know. Um, and I have always thought like that. I've always, and I've never, re- I never realized how much I was missing, I think, from my kids childhoods and this last year being forced to stay at home with them um made me realize that really and uh, and so I, and I'm, I'm so thankful in a way that i learned it before it was too late and it was too late to, to to sort of make up for lost time so i think what i would say to my children is i was away a lot i was working a lot and i but i was doing it for you i was doing it to give you the start in life that I never got. Lovely. That's what I'd say. Do not be pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, there's an old saying about you can't pick a favorite child. Oh, yeah. You don't have to name them. Do you have a favorite child, yes or no? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) (laughs) The initial reaction to that question every time is always fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, because, and I say this to my kids all the time, I go, you've got a favorite parent, so... All kids have got a favourite parent, and it's usually mum. So I think it's totally well within our rights to have a favourite kid. But I, what I will say is my the, my favourite kid uh, choice changes. Yeah. So one day it'll be that one. One day it'll be another one. It's just yeah. I think I'm just at a point where it's just whichever one is giving me the least amount of a headache that day yeah, okay. so that's <laughs> my favorite one you're on pole <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. so it's just whoever who's causing me the least amount of jip uh well right you're my favorite you i could get to the end of every day and probably do a do a diary <laughs> of who was my favorite that day and then when you look back at it over a year you're like oh my god they all had 50 days each where they were the favorite like it would be even over a year <laughs> what a spreadsheet <laughs> yeah, it would be a spreadsheet. yeah so i guess it's like yeah it's whichever one's being good but also not being good in a way where I don't, you'll find this. You just got the one, haven't you? The one. Just the one, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So, She's two and a half. Oh, yeah. lovely. Oh, you'll need another one at some point. I will. That's, okay. that's, that's my offer. That's my offer of advice to you. Okay. Two is the best number. And Dave, I've done all the numbers. And two is the best. <laughs> <laughs> two is the right amount, okay? okay? Family tickets still work. You don't have to change your car. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's all, it's all there for you. Two is the perfect number. Also, it's rare that you meet an only child later on in life and they're not a bit odd. So just bear yeah. that in mind. Do you know what I mean? They're always I'm actually running odd. that through my mind now, friends. I know. Yeah, you're, you're right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're always a bit odd. And the yeah. reason is because they never had a sibling to punch them in the face when they were being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've not got that person to, give you, to, yeah. to, to occasionally uh, give you a little slap for, for <laughs> when you're out of order, <laughs> you grow up thinking you're absolutely, you know, a supreme being. So, um, yeah, that's my... <laughs> Anyway, I've gone off tangent. Uh, so when, it comes, when it comes to favourite children, um, yeah, it's just whichever one is not being an absolute nightmare that day, but also being good without being that sort of showy good. You, you find this when you have more than one ch- child, which is occasionally your children will be good to prove how bad another one's being. They're not doing right. it because they want to be good. They're doing it because they know that one will get even more in trouble because they're being so good in comparison. So it's trying to work out whether, you know, how evil they're being when it comes to being good. 
um jason it's always a pleasure to spend some time in your company my oh, friend too, thank man. you for what has been a, a very funny very informative and very insightful um edition of the dad pod good luck with the tour because i know is, all man. of your fans and and tickets are available on jason's website are going to be thrilled to see you back on stage and there's yeah, there's so wait. many dates and so many times that people can can go and see you so best of luck love to the family of course yeah, thank you, you too, very much man. indeed jason manford thank you jason thanks pal The hedgehog himself, Jason Manford there. Tickets for his tour, like me, are available right now. He's doing dates up and down the country, coming to venues near you. So go on to Jason's website for more information. Now, I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of my guests for giving me such great advice this series. And even more importantly, I want to thank you all for listening and give a shout out to a few people who have got in touch with the Dad Pod so far. Uh, Paul the Handyman in Brisbane, thank you for your message. Grant M62 said he loves listening to these podcasts. He related to the bit in the Greg Wallace episode about watching films over and over again. He said his daughter used to cry rewinding the VHS. Jesus of Nairshire on Twitter. Best of luck becoming a dad for the first time. I'm so pleased for you and the family. Also to Tim Gatt, Lee Brownie, Kerry Kent, uh, Billy Boyd, Anna James, Jane Brocklesby. Thank you all for your messages. And just like those lovely people, you can get in touch with me anytime you like. It's Dave underscore Berry underscore Insta, or you can email me DaveBerryDadPod at gmail.com. Thank you very much indeed to those of you who subscribed, rated and reviewed. If you've missed any episodes of my dad pod, um, you can hear the likes of Joe Swash or Tyson Fury or Tim Minchin. They're all available for you to listen back to. And don't forget, you can hear me on the Dave Berry Breakfast Show across the Absolute Radio Network weekdays from 6am. See you next time. Listener.